0: And Jesus is the Lord. And we saw that message, he is Lord at the end uh, of the year, which is very appropriate as we look into a new year. And as we came to the conclusion of the message, we shared three truths from the book of Luke and this is your test. <laughs> yes, three. book of Luke that should uh, be impacted, or should be true. If this is Lord, what were they? Say, Pastor, you're not supposed to just stop. What were they? All right, we should acknowledge His right to rule our lives. You should acknowledge His right to rule in your life because He is Lord. All right, who, who, where did we learn that in the Book of Luke? Do you remember? Uh, the Luke nineteen. All right, good. The well, the angel did speak. He's the Lord. Okay, but uh, it was Luke 8, 19, 8, and nine, where Zacchaeus said, "Lord, you are the Lord, and uh, I'm going to give back uh, anyone that I've I've stolen from." So acknowledge his right to ruin your life. Very good. Okay. So, so he took notes. That's good. Number. What was the second thing, or the second or third? Either one. That would be okay. Okay. Don't allow the thing world to hold you back from following him. Does anyone remember where that was? Where we saw that challenge? What? Uh, Yes, Luke chapter 9. Thank you. I was looking at the wrong place. Luke chapter 9 in verses 57 to 62. Remember three people? Uh, Two, Jesus said, follow me, and they made excuse. Uh, The third, Jesus said, follow me, and uh, he made excuse. So all three didn't uh, allow the things of the world. Well, let me go bury the dead. Um, you know, let me go say farewell to my to my parents uh, and to my family. And so uh, they allowed the world, things of the world, to hold them back. Very good. And then the the third thing it was very simple truth, very straightforward. Jesus said it himself, actually, in the Sermon on the Mount. So, uh, well, yeah, I think it was. I think it was. And, and, Okay, obey him. If you call him Lord, Luke chapter six verses forty six. Now, here's the question. Do you recall? I said there was yet another truth worthy of mention, but we didn't get to it. You say, I don't remember that. That's okay. It's been a little while. You slept since then. So let me tell you, there was a truth. We could make a long list of responses we ought to have to the fact that Christ is Lord, but but God's just been driving this truth home. And it was shared by Jesus Christ Himself, and I, I feel like it's worth addressing. And I, um, uh, since that time, I, I, I've wanted to, and the Lord just hasn't given necessarily opportunity to do so. So tonight, I have opportunity, and um, uh, it's very challenging. And I think it's a good challenge as we uh, begin and as we're. It's fresh in a new year because it's going to express for those who are part of the family of God uh, what we ought to do and what God desires of us. And the story is found in John chapter 13, and it's a very familiar one, and you know it well. But I hope you'll listen to the admonition because it really tells us Uh, and gives us an idea of of what an eternal value system is going to do and how it's going to act, how it's going to be lived out in life. Um, If you uh, live like Jesus Christ, you're going to live this way and do these things. So, um, we're going to dig into the story of Jesus and what he did with his disciples uh, the night in which he was betrayed. And we know he took the cup and he had the Lord's Supper. We also know he taught them in John chapter 14 and 15 and 16. But did something. Do you remember the event? He washed the disciples' feet. And he teaches us a lesson. And it's my prayer God will use that. You and and, and to, to continue to challenge me. Uh, about what God wants from from us in this coming year if we have an eternal value system. So let's pray and ask him to give us understanding. Father, um, we're coming to a story we know well, and it's very easy um, to just uh, go through the story, to think about it, to go on our way and not allow it to change us. And so I'm asking that tonight uh, you would just touch us with, the wonderful example of our Lord and Savior, and uh, may this be characteristic of our lives in 2020. May those here in this room, as we have that eternal value system, just live our lives in accordance with the example set forth in John 13. And uh, Father, I'll thank you for what you'll do, and 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 I pray that this there would be some lasting. Uh, decisions in our midst tonight because of this truth. In Jesus' name, amen. A preacher asked this question. He said, do you have an unsung hero in your life? And then he said, I do. Uh, he said, Isabel, I think that was his uh, He said, actually, she's not sung. I sing her praises all the time, but she's my Everything. And then he said, certainly you have unsung heroes you could name, people who give of themselves all the time to help others without getting praise or recognition, or at least the praise and recognition they deserve. Maybe you could make a long list. Um, I could, he said, but I have asked myself this question. Am I on anyone's list? That's the greater question. It's not just people who give themselves selflessly, but is that how people see me? Pretty searching, isn't it? To ask the question not people who serve will see me as one who serves. He then concluded by saying this. Enough to bring joy into someone else's life without looking for rewards that someone would consider us an unsung hero. Jesus said in John 13:50, He's given us an example to follow. That example, as you've already said, was washing the feet of. The disciples. What does the washing of someone symbolize? Serving others in humility, without looking for anything in return. That unsung heroes are made of. So tonight, uh, taking his illustration, I guess I'd say, we're going to entitle our time, uh, Let's Be Unsung Heroes this year. Let's be people who others would see as people who are willing to make sacrifices without worrying about anything back we might, or return that we might get. Now, we're going to pick up at the end of the story, um, kind of, in verse 12, because Jesus has washed the disciples' feet already. And we'll make reference to some of the other things. But if you would, follow along. I'm going to read the verses there until we get to verse 17. And then um, my, my goal is just to have, a, a, have us time tonight. All right? Church family. God's people time. And just to share with you some thoughts from this passage that, um, that I hope will, will give you some food for, for careful thought in the coming year. So after he had washed their feet, verse 12 tells us, and had taken their, his garments and was set down again, he said, Know ye what I have done to you. Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Uh, I will say this, and and I I, I say it only because there's a, a practice that some churches do Actually, Brethren churches did it for a number of years. I'm not so sure it's an active practice in their, uh, in their faith any longer, but um, I would suspect some still do it. There are churches who believe there are three ordinances given by Jesus Christ, the Lord's Supper, uh, the ordinance of baptism, and then foot washing. Uh, I don't believe Jesus was teaching that from this passage. We don't have time to really delve into a lot of the reasons why. It's, but I will say this very simply. We don't find in the rest of the Bible the disciples doing this. So it's obvious, at least it seems obvious for me, since there's no mention in the rest of Scripture of the disciples ever washing one another's feet, that they understood Jesus was teaching a lesson and he wasn't giving an ordinance that the church was to practice. And really, I'm thankful for that. I I kid. Because, you know, I understand those that practice foot washing, they wash their feet before they come to church anyway. Because they wouldn't want to have dirty feet for someone to wash. Sounds kind of ridiculous, doesn't it? Because the point was that these men had dirty feet, and Jesus was giving himself selflessly. So the act per se isn't what we're supposed to do, but the lesson is what we're supposed to practice. And there is no question that the disciples actively followed what Jesus taught. They didn't do it as far as we know. There's no reference to it in the rest of Scripture. But they did do it as far as the deed Jesus with them. So what was he teaching? Well, let's begin this evening by picking up and looking at verse 13, where we his position, and this is, I think, what makes what we're going to see so amazing. In fact, the whole passage talks about Jesus' position, and that magnifies the amazing deed that took place when Jesus took his outer garments off, he puts on a towel and goes and he washes the disciples' feet and uses that towel that he has wrapped around him to dry their feet to clean them. So what do we learn about his position? Well, he begins his explanation here. He says, "What you know ye what I have done to you. And I, I don't know. There was no answer. Do you see that? I mean, there, there's nothing at least written in Scripture. So I don't know. They must have looked like, don't know, don't understand this one. So Jesus then goes into his explanation. and how does he begin? He begins by telling them who He is. So what is, he, what is his position? What does he say is very true about him? Okay, He is Lord and master. So let's consider those and take a few moments. First, he said, um, He said, "Ye call me master and Lord." And he said, "You say, well, because I am." And he could say that because he was. So what did he mean by that? Well, first, he was their master. He was their instructor. That's what the word master means. And as we brought out just recently, well, in fact, when we preached on the, the title Lord, the, the term master was used of Jesus Christ all the time. In fact, I, we did say this. Did anyone go and check it out? The Herodians, the other religious people of the day, had no problem calling him master. or, or Yeah, no problem calling him master. And the reason they had no reason call, problem calling him master is because it, it meant that he had the position of, or if you would, the right of teaching, and he did that. Jesus taught everywhere, so he would have been called master by just about anyone that came to him and talked to him. They would say master and have no problem at all because it wasn't necessarily um, that he was God, which is the term Lord is, but the fact that he had the right to instruct them. He was their teacher. He wasn't just a the Lord. We know that. And he says that in this passage. But he was a teacher. He was an instructor. And this is a little sideline. This is free. But we kind of learn what the job of a teacher is then in this passage. Because he says, I'm your master. And you say, well, I am. I'm your instructor. By the way, a disciple means pupil, student, learner. Okay, so here's the teacher, here's the student. What is the job of the teacher? Thank you very much. To teach! (laughs) Then then think about this, because this passage is going to tell us, Jesus says, I'm your master. I'm your teacher, I'm your instructor. So let me instruct you. What did Jesus do in these verses that follow? Okay, well, he just gave the example. But he taught them what it meant to their life. Do you know I've heard people say, and and this is free, all right, but I, I think this is more, I've heard people say that the job of a teacher is to impart knowledge. That is not the only job of a teacher. The job of a teacher is not just to impart knowledge. The job of a teacher is to help people understand that knowledge. Do you know today there are teachers who say, well, I'm doing my job because I'm giving them the information. Whether they get it or not is up to them. That's not what Jesus felt. Jesus said, I'm your master, so I'm your teacher, I'm your instructor, so let me tell you what this means to your life. And and I, I want to say this. By the way, if you have opportunity to teach, you ever get involved in teaching, and you have that responsibility, whether that's here at church or some other place. God gives you a responsibility to teaching. Your job is not just to give people information. Your job is to help people understand what that means to their life and what they're supposed to do. So, so get this, believer. Sunday school teacher isn't just supposed to say, "Okay, here's this verse, and here's what this verse means," and goes on. Sunday school teacher, this is what it means in your life. I've heard, I've heard in college, professors say teaching is instructing people and giving them information. Preaching is bringing it home to their life. That's not true. Jesus said, "I'm your master, and as your master, I want you to know exactly what I just did. Here's what you need to do. Here's how you're supposed to live this out." Okay, that was free. But you need to know that. A master is an instructor. An instructor doesn't just give information. An instructor says, this is what it means. And this is how you can flesh it out in your life. And that is important for a teacher. Mom, dad, Sunday school teacher, anyone who teaches, don't just give information. Help you understand what that means in their life. And if you don't know that I try to do that all the time, um, then I'm a failure because just at every service, I don't care what I'm doing, my goal is to help you understand what you need to know and what you need to do. And that's what Jesus did. Great teacher, greatest teacher to ever walk the face of this earth, teaches us how to teach. So his position was instructor, instructor, teacher, had a job to do. His position was Lord, master and Lord. Rightfully so. Now, remember that term couldn't mean that he was an authority, but we know from the words of the angel and from the rest of Scripture that when that term, Lord, was used in the New Testament, when the term was used by the disciples, they meant that he was the supreme one in authority. That he was God come in the flesh, and that he had the right and the authority to speak. And so what we are going to hear is from the Lord. It is from the Supreme One in authority who says, I have all authority and now I'm telling you what you need to do. Just as we should take the Great Commission with the same kind of authority because Jesus had all authority. In fact, look at what it says in verse 3 of this chapter because right before he washes the disciples' feet we're told that same truth. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands that he was come from God and went to God. He he, he knew he came from God. He knew he was going to die and go back to the the Father, uh, and that he had all things in his hands. He is the authority. He was the authority. He still is today. So that's his position. And as one who is a great teacher, who's going to instruct us and say, what it means to your life, and this is what you need to do, as one who is Lord, and he speaks, we better listen. So you understand the position. I think we already understood that, but it needed to be said because Jesus himself brought out that fact. You call me master, you call me Lord, and that's true. So now here's what you need to do. Got the message? His practice. Look in verse 14, his practice. Uh, If I then your Lord and master have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. Uh, in his practice, consider the deed. Um, consider the deed of Jesus Christ. I, I don't know if we, we can fathom this. I, you, you see uh, in election years, those running for office often do things to kind of show their humility. You know, kissing the babies, you know, and, and doing things that, that you know, just show how they're really like the common man. But I don't know if, if we could grasp the um, the amazing condes- condens- condes- condescension. I'm going to get that word out. We had a problem with word this morning, didn't we, we were talking about, right? Condescension of Jesus Christ to be born of a virgin and to live life on this earth. But this act in John 13 is an amazing act where the god of heaven and earth takes his outer robes off he he gets down he sits down or gets kneels down and he takes a basin of water and he washes the ones he had the responsibility to teach and the ones he was lord over that is just it's, it's mind-boggling. In fact, it was to the disciples because he says, do you understand what I've done? The idea was they had no, no comprehension. And we know that from the verses that are previous because Peter said, Lord, what are you doing? You're not going to wash my feet. And Christ said, if you don't let me do this, then you're not, you're not part of mine. You're not, you're not mine. Let me do this. And he shows this humility. Consider a couple things about this deed. Um, First, the amazing sign of humility. God would kneel down and wash someone's dirty feet and think nothing of it. God did that. Consider the timing Do you know what took place the next day? In fact, verse 3 tells us that. He was come from God. He went to God. I'm going. I know. My time is short. It was right before he's going back to the Father. What would your attention be on if you were going to die a cruel death? A painful death. If for the first time in your existence, and he's eternal. You would be separated from the Father in a way you had never been separated for eternity. What would you be thinking about? Washing someone's feet? The timing is an amazing thing. Our Lord was teaching until the end, considering what his students needed to know before he left. What would you teach if you knew you had one day to live? Would you teach a lesson on humility? What would you teach? I don't know. Jesus thought it was this important that the last day of his life he spent washing disciples' feet so they could learn what they needed to know. It's an amazing deed, isn't it? The timing of it, the humility of it, the God of heaven and earth bowing to serve without any interest in reciprocating as far as he's concerned. So the deed, the disciples, about the disciples, who is there? Look at verse 2. And supper being ended, the devil now having put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things. Whose feet did he wash? Judas was there. He left a little bit later. Judas was there. The Daily Bread had this to say about John 13. And I thought it was worth, I, thought, I think it's worth sharing with you. It was, it's challenging. He so said, when we read the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, we may think we understand why he was doing that for them. John, for instance, had become a close friend. There was Peter and Andrew who had been faithful and following the master. Each of the disciples must have had something that endeared him to Jesus. But why did he wash the feet of Judas? Jesus knew he was stooping down to serve the one who would soon stoop history's worst treachery. Jesus was performing the most menial of tasks for a person who treated the creator of the universe as being someone worth no more than 30 pieces of silver. Knowingly, the one whose name is associated with giving life got his hands dirty to serve the one whose name was for betrayal of time doesn't Jesus example tell us something special about service doesn't it remind us that we are not called to serve only those who are like us or even those who care for us we are called to serve all people and the unlovely the friendly and the not so friendly when was the last time you washed the feet of someone like Judas The disciples didn't deserve it. By the way, none of them deserved to have their feet washed. Certainly not Judas. But to our Lord, that didn't matter. His lesson was, serve everyone. No matter who they are. And no matter how good a friend they are. The disciples not only didn't deserve it, but they didn't understand it. Look in verse 7, Peter said unto him in verse 6, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Seriously, you're going to do this, Lord? And Jesus answered and said unto them, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. They didn't understand it. And that's why we have the explanation in verses 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, because they didn't get it. They didn't get it. Would you? Lord, Why? It's crazy. You're Lord. Your message, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. Someone made a comment. And I share because it's been a source of thought for me. And I wish I could have fit it into a point in the message, but I'm I going to fit it in anyway. Because um, it really has been uh, thought-provoking to me. So here you go. Sometimes we don't understand why God is doing what he's doing in our lives. And they bring it out about verse 7. Because we don't know all things We can't always comprehend the things to be learned And the lessons he is teaching Our job is not to Working, Lord you're going to wash my feet Our job is not to change it But rather to sit back And allow him to teach us What we need to know in the time frame That he has designed Isn't that good How many times He said, Lord why are you doing this Here's here's Peter. Lord, why are you doing this? Not my feet. The Lord says, Peter, let me do this. You'll understand later. But I've got a job to do now. Let me do it. Don't you think the Lord tells us that at times? Sometime later on. You've got something to learn. The disciples had something to learn. They would have never learned it if they, if Peter said no, and he walked out. Could have, but he allowed. How many acts of God in your life have you questioned recently? Have you ever thought that maybe his actions not understood right now may be lessons needed for living life as he intends tomorrow? And don't you think they needed this lesson? We do. We do. They certainly did. And by their lives in the book of Acts, we find a people who gave it of themselves. And I can't help but believe that a good portion of that goes back to John 13 and what Jesus did. Now see his point. What was this? Verse 15, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The servant is greater than his Lord, Neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. This is an example. And the example was that the greatest of men thought nothing of doing the lowest He served without thought of his position, without thought of his importance, without or believing that he had a right to be served. He was willing to serve himself. And what a example. You know, it's lost. I really am so thankful. Or what I, I see to be a wonderful spirit amongst God's people here at Spring Meadow. But I know this, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take many people to change the spirit. And you know what it takes? It just takes people to stop serving and become self-centered. And this lesson is very important, vitally important, because it just brings us back to... I'm supposed to serve without thought of self. It's not about me. It's not about what people think about. It's not about people having me over. It's about me serving. Giving of myself and giving to people who can't return the favor or who won't return the favor. Because it doesn't matter to me. I'm serving Christ. And I'm living like my master. That's the decoration. And if the greatest would do this, he's the greatest, right? If the greatest would do this, his servants certainly ought to do it. Because here's the truth. A servant is not greater than his Lord. He isn't. Neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. No time. Too or lowly for even the most important Christian in this world, the So, the duty, not just the declaration, that's the point of Jesus, but notice the duty. If ye know these things. <clears throat> I don't understand why he added verse 17, but I know it's important. Because a lot of people know this. Right? Who doesn't know the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet? Who doesn't know what took place? Most Christians have heard this story and probably heard this story numerous times. And when Jesus was talking with the disciples, human nature wants to lift up self. In fact, quite honestly, all of the disciples would have been challenged about that, especially the apostles, you know. You say, why was that? Because they took on the leadership of the church. They were important people, people that that folks respected, people that folks honored. In fact, there were were times where people came up and fell down at the feet of Peter and John and and Paul and worshiped them. Remember Paul and Barnabas? When when God did some miraculous works through them, the people worshiped them and they were going to make them gods in a sense. They were going to worship them like gods. And they had to be reminded, it's not about me. It's about serving Jesus Christ. And so Christ said, happy is not if you know this, and if you remember this story and you can tell everyone what happened, like John did in John 13. But happy are you if you put it into practice. And do you know that that is the greatest problem most of the time in life? What my problem is, is not knowing what the Bible says Because I grew up in church and I've heard it And I've read the Bible through numerous times myself Do you know what my greatest problem is? Doing Doing Washing feet Just putting into practice What Jesus told me I should do And I already know Jesus had been teaching them this in, in reality all his life Everything about his life Sent him a servant But this was a specific deed That drove home the point And Christ ended it by saying You will be happy If you'll do this You know why he could say that? He's about to die You know why he could say that? Because he found happiness in serving, in doing what he talked about here. So, um, if you weren't, I don't think anything will challenge you. An old devotion had this story. He said a noted preacher had a brother who was a famous physician. And a woman wished to speak with the minister, but she wasn't sure if the man was about, she was going to talk to the preacher or the physician. She asked this question, she said, are you the doctor who preaches or the one who practices? The words pricked the heart of the preacher, the man of God. It stirred his conscience. And ever afterward, according to the, Uh, to the devotional calendar, he endeavored not only to hear the word of God and speak it, but to do it. He didn't want to be a doctor who preaches. He wanted to be a doctor who practices. Don't you? If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. 2020 will give you a lot of opportunities to wash feet. Will you do it? Will you look for opportunities? Will you take advantage of opportunities? Will you do it to the least of these? Maybe even to your enemies. Because that is what Jesus taught. Four points to consider when we think about Jesus being Lord, but quite honestly, the one I skipped I think is the most important and the one we had opportunity to look at tonight. You call me a master and Lord, then do what I say. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.